0: Welcome to the Midlife Pilot Podcast, episode 45. This is a show all about aviation and living our best midlives. Hello to everybody from wherever you're reaching us from, YouTube live stream or from the audio podcast world. My name is Ben. I'm a instrument rated pilot based here in Atlanta, Georgia. And tonight with me, as always, is our co-host Brian from the deep in the heart of Music Row. Hello, Brian. Hey, Mr. Sage, Mr. Ben, how are you? I'm good. Haven't heard the Sage name in a while. Not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> also joining us from the West Coast, our sport pilot extraordinaire, Ted Flysport. Hey, Ted, what's up? Hey, doing well. How are you? We're good. Got nice fall weather here in Atlanta. I am, um, I've had my license for five years and I've never taken my mother-in-law flying. And I'm going to fix that tomorrow. Oh, really? So We're going to fly up into the mountains and see how the leaves are looking. Uh, From Brian's
1: report earlier, uh, it seems like they're kind of right in the peak of the season. It's starting. It's starting. Yeah. We, we, yeah, we flew to um, uh, Hillsville, uh, Galax, Virginia, K H L X. Uh, this past week, fall break, me and my wife flew to see my folks who just moved to their cabin up there full time. And, um, it was cool because I, I don't, it kind of occurred to us that we had never seen just, it happened to be the timing that we were going over the mountains, that it was really the first stages of fall. And you could see on the ridges where the where the wind would usually probably blow that there would be bands of just tinges of red all around these mountains. Everything else was still staying, you know, had not turned at all yet, but you really got a sense of what turned first. And you could see where, when things were the areas that are windswept, that are, you know, are slightly ahead of schedule ever. So slightly, uh, it was a really strange thing to kind of notice. It's one of the millions of things you, you know, when you start flying all the time that you start to realize <laughs> like, oh yeah, you know, cause otherwise <laughs> you're just like, I'm going to wait till it's pretty. And then I'm going to drive through there or whatever. But in this way it was, it was pretty, it was pretty neat to see. And that's awesome. Uh, I've noticed that over the years of
0: flying in, in the mountains that, you know, you go this time of the year up in the mountains, maybe a couple of weeks from now, it gets better. And then I would travel further south and just notice that change because the temperature is warmer down there. And it took takes a little bit longer for the leaves to change. So it was kind of three seasons of leaf changing in the state of Georgia.
1: So I mean, we like, try to get up see them you all. You also
2: see it at the different elevations, too,
1: right? Right, right. Yeah. Meanwhile, so, Ted's like, what is this world of uh deciduous non pine <laughs> my my backyard is
2: full of them but generally speaking we have evergreens around here the uh the picture which is great podcast material but the uh the background picture was from a weekend flight i went about five and a half hours up and around the the Olympic peninsula there's no other choice yes. but to make the loop all the way around it so uh uh, whatever the vampire movie is anyway, they've shut up that way, but went landed at like seven different airports, hadn't been in any of them before, just had a great time, pretty heavy wind. So I was like 90 knots on the way back and 140 on the way up. So it was Whoa. like, that was, you know, that was kind of fun, but you know, there was, it wasn't great weather. I was flying through rain, a lot of the trip in twilight. See, that's what I can't remember. Um, the movie. Um, I wasn't flying in twilight. Uh but uh yeah, it was flying in rain, you know, there were uh clouds overhead. Strangely everything was reporting like ceilings at like nine thousand, but it was like drizzling the whole time. And yet it was a great flight. You know, you're you're blow it, the weather is consistent enough that who cares, you're just gonna get wet Stable you walking air. around. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So stable air.
2: Yeah, it was really cool.
1: Olympic Peninsula are are there um Are there airports inside the parks there? There are not.
2: Yeah. So you have to go all the way around it. And, uh, yeah, that, and that's where the, uh, the, the beach lining place is. And I was, I was going to go land at that. And I was flying past that beach, which I've been to. I was like, oh yeah, I didn't even look up tides. There is no beach. It is just (laughs) Uh, water. It's like, well, yeah, not doing that, but.
1: Well, speaking of not looking up things, um, when we did fly to KHLX, um, and it's funny because I just had my BFR, you know, and so she, you know, she went over a bunch of things with me, you know, I talked about, we did, you know, impossible turns. We did, we did power outs from the upwind, from the crosswind, all these different sort of emergency descents, all these various things. But there was also a lot of knowledge in that whole conversation that we had. And, um, she was kind of, <laughs> and I I suppose I'm probably a little guilty for this and maybe not the only one, but um oftentimes especially if it's somewhere where it's not terribly far away or within a couple of hours it's not like some crazy far away place to me i don't necessarily all the time open up the chart supplement and read all the little details about you know some of the airports that i go to some most of the time i do especially if it's like something kind of significant but a lot of times it's like ah oh, you know I'm just going to go bum around you know and i i check notums and you know, I look at comments and I look at a lot of stuff from the sort of the readily available for flight view, but I, I do admit that I probably should be digging into the, to the chart supplement a little bit more deeply. And I'm sure when I get into my instrument, uh, more deeply that that's going to be pretty, you know, <laughs> more ingrained. But, um, but the thing is, is that, uh, she used the example. She said, cause we went to some, oh, we did an emergency descent to this airport, uh, Litchfield, which is north of Bowling Green and, uh, it had quite a slope. And, um, granted, I didn't even really know that we were going there, so she wasn't holding me to test for it, but she was just saying, now, if you're going to an airport like this, you should probably know that the grade is like this, you know, before you get to it. Right. And then you got to make decisions about, uh, based on the winds, you know, if you're going to go uphill with the, you know, into the wind, or you're going to go downhill with the tailwind. Like, what are you going to do? And, uh, all that. So, you know, we went through a lot of that stuff and, and, uh, and then when we arrived at uh, KHLX this past week, uh, sure enough, I'm on final and I'm like, wow, <laughs> this is, weird <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, was very much on a, a, downwardly, uh, sloping, uh, runway. And so when, when we, <laughs> when we landed, uh, Katie was, she said, um, uh, well, that was, uh, what'd she say? Like, that was a, that was a good landing. You know, kind of like, yeah. you know, and, and it was because I had planted it. it. There's something when you're, when the runway feels like it's kind of going away from you, you're not going to do the, at least for me, I'm not going to try to finesse a, a a greaser in that scenario. I kind of want to just get the thing on uh, the down. ground. It wasn't a hard landing, but she just noticed that I, I did a not. A little stiffer than normal. Yeah. A little yeah. Even more pronounced. Yeah. Deliberate. Yeah, I like to call so
0: it. So it's funny <laughs> I always remember to check the chart supplement, usually about 15 miles away from each airport that I go to, because the one thing that sticks into my mind is, I wonder if this is a right pattern or a left pattern. Oh, yeah. And then and then that spurs me to go check the chart supplement and then see if there's a grade and do all that stuff. But it's usually, it's never before the flight. It's always about 10 miles out, like kind of at the last minute.
2: So I try to do that. But when I was in SoCal, I was going from Camarillo to Oxnard, which is like, six miles and it was one of those loop flights where you're just landing a bunch of airports. So you're not like focusing on your destination airport and they're both towered deltas. And I take off from, from uh, Camarillo and get to the halfway point And I'm, there's a lot of traffic. So I'm trying to get switched over and they're like, did you, did you listen uh, to the i A'm like, Nope. Like, okay, come on in. You know, it's like, I, it's everything's so fast. I don't have time. And I land and like, so you're doing touch and go? I'm like, no, I'm just doing a full stop. I go to pull off only. And it's like a 6,000 foot runway. All the taxiways are closed except at the far end. And mm. if I would have listened to ATIS, I would have known that. So yeah. they had to tell people behind me to go around. I had oh. a long way to taxi back and I'm like, hi, it's, it's me. I'm the problem. Yeah. Uh, I'm the problem. <laughs> well, let's, um,
0: do a few housekeeping. I, uh, uh items here uh and first I want to give a quick shout out to everybody in the chat one Joel jeremy dan got biff and todd jeremy i think i saw uh, Juliet echo foxtrot in there as well uh glad y'all are all with us um make sure you hit the like and subscribe button if you're watching to watching us on youtube uh audio podcast is available on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'd also like to give a shout out to our new supporters since last episode. We have Michael D, Greg G, Evan Schaefer. Uh, they've joined uh, Mike Duhamel, Michael S, uh, Mr. Wendell Geek, not Greek, Alyssa M, Steve Cross, Michael Young, Michael G, who's also known as Arrow Grizzly. So,
2: Um, thank you all for your support. Mm -hmm. I think we have like nine supporters and half
1: of them are Michael's. Yeah. Michael's (laughs) like us a lot. Well, and it's cool because that's something we just started. uh, You know, we kind of had it lingering in the background, but never really talked about it for a long time. Um, And since we have more people involved now and there's a little bit more effort going into things in a different way, um, and there are costs involved, it's been really cool to see um, people stepping up and, and the thing is, is you can do 99 cents a month. Um, you know, uh, but people, some people do more than that and it's been really humbling and and nice to see, but, um, yeah, we, we, we try to, we try to keep delivering. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the episode last week, which was the kind of free form happy hour show that ended up being basically a, basically a hang with Brian Turner. And that was, Uh, a really good, uh, kind of a surprise to, to, to me, at least I didn't even know he was going to be here. And then all of a sudden there he was. So that was, (laughs) that was a lot of fun. I hope people checked that out. And, um, and the only other thing I wanted to say is just that, um, you know, when we don't talk about our metrics, you know, necessarily, or share that information just because no reason, uh, nobody cares, but whatever, we don't really publicize that stuff. Um, but I will say, um, you know, the podcast has always been on a sort of a steady growth thing over the last couple of years, but now that we've kicked into another gear and doing it weekly, uh, we are seeing, you know, uh, exponential, um, growth. And so that's been really cool to see. So thanks for the support and thanks for the absolutely sharing it out. And thanks for you guys coming on and and, and saving the day, you know, when, when yeah. Chris just left us just high and dry, you know, <laughs> no, like abandoned, he just <laughs> abandoned us. Yeah. So
0: and, and know that those contributions go to help. We do have some expenses that we incur to put the podcast on. And so um, we're uh, we're thankful for that and uh, keep them coming and, and share this with your friends. Um, you know, we midlifers, we're not scared to talk to our fellow midlifers and just let them know what's going on.
1: Don't share it with your friends that don't care about aviation. <laughs> uh Cause you've probably already shared enough with them that they don't care about. But I mean, you know, you know, go ahead, go ahead and share it with them. Share it with them. They may want to learn how to fly. <laughs>
0: but like, but thanks. Uh, so. well, yeah, exactly. Uh Robert L. Welcome to the podcast We're, uh, podcast. We're glad you're, you're listening to us. Um, so, uh, why don't we get started, uh, with a little, uh, training topics, uh, Ted, I see you have in our notes, um, you've got a video to share with us. There's been, a-
2: we're not going to show the video, but there's a literal climb out video. We'll, we'll share yeah. this in the, in the doobly-doo for people who are listening on the podcast and everything else, but my, Shared my in the what the doobly-doo, the doobly-doo. come on, that's, what's that? that's below the show. It's, it's the, it's the notes The doobly-doo. The doobly-doo. Everybody yeah. knows that. Yeah.
1: I've never, you ever have moments in your life where you're like, I've never heard that word or term in my entire life. How did I make it this far? And never, I've never heard that. I've never heard that expression. Or is that, is it that It is
2: legitimate? about a 1% thing. It is, it is a very, but, but in- it's the word that describes in the show notes very well. Do, we I like do? the word. Yes. Yeah. And I'm only
0: acting like I've overheard it. I've heard it <laughs> one other time, so. I know how to fake
2: it better than you do. <laughs> uh, Mike Rugnetta, PBS Idea Channel is, is the person who says that the most. But uh, uh. So anyway, CFI Sam, Northwest Aeronaut. There's many CFI Sams, just like there's everybody who's a supporter is named Mike. It seems all CFIs are Sam. In this case, Northwest Aeronaut Sam has a video up that's, you know, lots of thrust on takeoff. And you're like, okay, cool. You know, another CFI video except for it's real. And uh, he was out with a student and they were uh, taking off into the trees at my favorite tiny airport and uh, about 250 feet up. And you just see him scrambling for the throttle in the 150, just, you know, and, and you see him slamming it in. Well, it turns out that that didn't actually help. It wasn't the throttle backing out. It was something with the engine. I'm going to say a carb seal, but nobody knows. So he went around the whole pattern at 300 feet and from that point of 250 feet, losing power and thinking, I'm going left for the open field to, I wonder how far I can make it to getting all the way back around and poor student pilot in the left seat. You know, uh, I guess I should always fly with a, with a CFI in the right seat for that kind of situation, but he did a great job at it. It's a great. You know, that seems to be the uh, the topic of the year is loss of thrust on takeoff. And so it's a great video of that. Definitely recommend watching it.
1: Yeah. I saw, I saw that. And uh, a few things I thought one is um, I, I like how you basically was like, I don't have enough time to remove the hand of the yeah. student on the throttle. <laughs> so I'm just going to use her hand to control the throttle. And I wonder if they, I wonder if CFIs get taught things like that. Um, but or whether he just did that. And then the next thing I noticed was um, how fortunate it was that there there is, is even remotely a field to the sort of 10 o'clock of where they were going because a lot of tall um, trees and other things around. And, you know, that must've been comforting on some basic level to just have even an extra few seconds to, because you already know that you're going to a generous enough spot, you know, worst case scenario, you know, You're not, I mean, of course, you're you're at your home airport. You're going to know where I'm generally going anyway, expecting this to happen. But there's a different thing from expecting it to happen, quote unquote, (laughs) to it actually happening. And at what altitude and then how is this all going to shake out? So I thought it was cool to see how he handled it. And then I will say that I have my lingering question from from that and other examples that I see is, you know there because there was also there was a um, there was an actual fatal accident here near me here in Tennessee um i want to say about 6 months ago 8 months ago um where s- somebody was trying to limp their plane back to the airport and they had partial power you know and they did not make it and if they if they would have i guess my, what i'm getting to is um the competing sort of sensibilities of the prevailing thought that if you have partial power, you need to treat it like you have no power right away and get the plane down sort of at all costs versus the idea of, you know, taking what you can get. And in the case of what was so disturbing about the incident or accident that happened here was if he would have treated it uh, as an engine out he wouldn't have been tempted to try to make it back. And he ended up getting in a much more dense populated area, limiting his options. And the only field he could find was so small and he overshot it and hit a power line or whatever. And that was it. I, I think there's a little bit of a difference.
0: And and the, the thing that I took away from it is, first of all, I think never had an engine out, so I can't speak from experience. And I'm okay with that. If I never have an engine out, that will be okay. But I think there's, there's times when your engine is capable of producing 2000 RPM or 1800 RPM, and you can maintain altitude. And there's, when you see that, then you know, if you're at a safe altitude above trees and you can get back to an airport, great. If you're, if it's RPMs are dropping and you've got no oil pressure or something like that, there's other indications that are going to tell you, you need to get this down on the ground as soon as possible. So I, I think it's situationally dependent, but I I saw that he was able he actually at one point in time was able to gain like fifty or a hundred feet. And so he had the confidence that his engine was that it was just not making full power so he could maintain what he was doing. So
1: And he did not push the student out. He did not push the student out to get that <laughs> altitude. No, he did not. In a
2: one fifty that was gain gain you going. what, three hundred feet?
1: <laughs> yeah. Probably
0: not very much. The 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 loss of the student probably wouldn't have given you that much more in return. So he let him stay. But anyway, that's, that's my point. I took away from it is that it's not something that we practice. We do practice engines out losing all RPMs. Yeah. The partial is something that I think would be good to go out and just say, okay, I'm at Hmm. 1500 RPM. What can I do? And practice that at a safe altitude, go up to 4,000 feet and see how well you can hold altitude. See when your engine is doing that. So that
1: was my takeaway from it. Yeah, it is, I'm not sure about the stats, but is it? I, I would tend to believe that partial power would be a lot more common of a scenario than a full. Shutdown I wanted to engine. say
0: the same, but I cannot quote the source from where I read that. But it is no. a lot more common uh, to where um, you it, partial loss is a lot more common than the
1: total loss. You can so. uh, you can just for any quote where we're not sure, just it can just be accredited to the internet. The internet said this. <laughs> I read it on Facebook.
2: That's another source. (laughs) So the other training topic that happened the last week was um, inside our, our community, inside our discord, we had a, um, an IFR uh, debrief from someone who did their check ride. And that was Mike, AKA NC, NC flyer, because we have lots of mics. So NC flyer and uh, lots of stuff about a specific uh, DPE Lots of IFR specific stuff, but I pulled out a specific clip that is a rant that I love to make. And uh, so I, I, you know, since I pull the clips, I get to choose and find clips of people that agree with me.
1: (laughs) Like he started off and he he asked for the my knowledge test, so I showed him that, and he was he was kind of fumbling around. It's like I'm gonna have to look up what these codes mean, and I had printed out a copy of the ACS where I'd gone through and highlighted everything. And so I pulled that out of my binder and handed it to him, and he was like, he seemed really really happy with that that he didn't have to go search for these codes, and he never asked me a single question about anything I missed on the knowledge test.
2: So so that's that's always my rant to to private pilot students, which is. When you take your written, immediately write down those codes that, that you missed, which of course you've got written down already. Look them up, write down what you remembered the question, how you got it wrong. You're going to be bringing this, you know, your CFI is going to want to know about it, your mock check ride, your DPE. And in his case, he, you know, he looked at the notes and said, I won't ask you about any of those. So um, let's share uh, mine. I dug back into my archives and uh, found the, the list of, Of the codes of what I'd gotten wrong and, uh, you know, uh, carbon monoxide symptoms and uh, minimum safe altitude and things like that. And so I wrote down what it was and I always carried that sheet with me. And it's kind of the start of your checkride binder. And so that's that's my recommendation is write that down. It's the sort of thing as a student that you're going to be talking about at
1: least a few times. I think what's I think what's really I mean. uh, it goes to show that just about anything in a check ride, if you are ahead of it, taking ownership and making corrections, right? It, it's yeah. the theme that runs through everything. It's, 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 you know, if, if you're making them dig, you're making them kind of look for things to probe. But if you're just, if you're the more you're driving, yes. uh, the more they're a passenger and that's how you kind of want it to be. And I think that even further, I would just say that, um, I think that that's kind of a, um, a pilot mentality type of thing and how you should kind of approach everything, you know, with your acknowledged weaknesses after the check ride, you know um, you know, we have a lot of people in the discord that, you know, have come up with various um regiments for themselves about, you know, I, I don't let myself do go this long without doing pattern work or, you know, whatever it might be. And I think that, the, I think that just speaks to a larger thematic thing about sort of owning your, um, being a pilot in a way that is looking at your weaknesses and, uh, and acknowledging them and not hiding things or from yourself or others, uh, and just ownership.
2: Yeah. Uh, we, we could have a, a sub podcast that, a, a daily podcast of here's all the ways we've messed up in flying. And that's, That's another show that would go on forever.
1: Yes. And we, and we are all members of the binder club. Yes, Todd (laughs) do the binder. Yes. Um, I I have started my binder on commercial. I was never a binder
0: guy and you guys talked me into doing it. So I will be, I'll be ready for it.
1: I didn't know about the binder. Yeah. I'm so so proud of mine that it's like a, it's like an artifact that I don't want to, it serves me no (laughs) use really now. But I, I, yeah, I went to town, man. And, um, you know, it, a couple a couple of things really saved me. Um having the T C D S in here saved me. Um and having wow. pulled all, it, there was a couple of things that it seemed like overkill for the binder, but it just made it to where I didn't have to look up really anything because it was all right here, you know. Um Yeah. It was yes, yeah, so anyway, yeah, binders for life. <laughs>
0: I'm I'm with you on that. Well, should we move along to our show topic, the main the cruise topic? Let's do it.
1: Yeah. Brian. All about STCs is what this is called, huh? We're going we're gonna to spread our STCs. I haven't, um, I haven't, I mean, I, I think the last time I got anything about this formally was maybe in ninth grade health class, but <laughs> I'm interested to see right. um, what, what you make of this. Uh, yes. Ninth. I'm going to pretend
2: I have no idea what you're talking
1: about. So,
0: just a quick sidebar. Uh, the company I work for sells short term disability, which is commonly referred to as STD. <laughs> ah. And I would inevitably be presenting in front of uh, a group of nurses. <laughs> I'm here to talk to you about STD. And uh, it usually gets a, a good laugh. Exactly. Supplemental type certificates. For those who don't know, a supplemental type certificate is where you have an airplane that is certified. It is built by a manufacturer that went through an approval process for that plane to become airworthy. That would be Cessna, Piper, Beechcraft, et cetera. There's hundreds of them out there. And you're not allowed to modify it without approval from the FAA. And that can be from adding a single part to your airplane to doing a complete overhaul like our plane came with when we got it. Um, And Ted and I were talking earlier, it's sometimes your mission changes when you uh, have an airplane. You have young kids. We have some folks in our Discord server that uh, have young kids and those kids are going to get bigger. And you need to be able to carry more weight. So instead of buying a bigger airplane, you can have your plane modified. So uh, with our airplane, there's a company called Airplanes, P-L-A-I-N-S, and it's called a Max Performance STC. It was filed with the FAA and approved on specific models of Cessna 172s and 182s. And what included with that, it comes with the new bigger IO520 engine. As opposed to the IO four seventy that comes in the airplane, it comes with a three bladed prop, and they do some modifications to the wing to give you a short takeoff and landing performance. We have a cambered leading edge on the wing, which uh, provides better lift at slower speeds. We've got uh, wingtip cuffs; they they droop down on the edges, gives you better aileron control at slower speeds, and it's got stall fences on there, uh, which keeps. It, it is so hard to stall my airplane. Uh, I have been in it with an instructor at 4,000 feet with what felt like the nose pointing up to the moon. <laughs> the GPS was indicating about 25 knots over the ground and we would not stall. It just it it's wants to stay in the air. So the, the point is, is that we, it increased the max useful load in the airplane by 300 pounds. So if it fits in my airplane, I can go there and I can get in and out of just about any airstrip that's out there. I didn't have to go buy a smaller airplane for the smaller airstrips. I didn't have to buy a bigger airplane to fit all my boys or my wife and two of my boys, two of my favorite boys, whichever two those are for that day.
2: We know. We know which one you're talking about. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we know. But um,
2: <laughs> it, it does change on a
0: daily basis. But but that was
2: that was a big STC. I mean
0: Yeah, that's a major STC. Um yeah. it's it's basically an overhaul of your airplane. Yeah. There there are other ones out there where you can, you know, put cuffs on your um struts. You know, knots to you has a lot of different parts where you're just doing one little piece of the plane to try to pick up a few knots.
2: I mean they get they get very small. To what what the STC includes is actually kind of interesting. That it, um, you know, it's like why does Wheelin LED have STCs for installing their lights? That's that shouldn't be required. It turns out it probably isn't. But the STC process is a design approval, and once you've done it, then you you own that STC as a manufacturer. And so it's like a patent, which is nobody else can put LED lights on using your STC. They've got to go through the entire process themselves. So it's kind of unfortunate that you've got all the way from that kind of end of the petty small things all the way up to major engine work and everything else.
0: And Wendell Geek points out, you know, putting a new GPS, there's an STC. Putting in a new radio, there's an STC. For the bigger projects like mine, you actually will get a supplemental um, POH that comes with it because you're changing so much of the flight characteristics of the airplane um, and we kind of have to marry that with the original POH of, of, of the plane because some things will apply and some things won't. Brian, you're about to say something?
1: Well, I was just curious as to what your thoughts were on the, I guess, sort of success or viability of the modality of the STC in terms of like of course, if you're going to throw a different engine in it and a different prop and do all this crazy aerodynamic things and really change the way that the plane flies and handles and everything, almost make it a new plane. That, that kind of thing makes total sense to me. But as a new airplane owner myself, you know, when I think about, you know, when, you know, and like Mark mentioned, um, uh, new GPS or a new radio to to the idea that, it's funny cuz like for me from a I'm I'm an audio guy right so when it comes to like racked audio it's like if it's if it fits in a 2 space rack it fits in a 2 space rack like it's not going to be you know the weight account for the weight and move on like I don't know why you know so so those kind of things make me wonder how and I'm sure that more experienced people than myself have an insight to this but it feels like it's a little blanket and a little exploitative Um, And ultimately, I suppose it's just designed to uh, absolve as much liability as humanly possible.
2: Well, Joel in the comments said that he's got uh, 17 STCs and two field approvals on his plane. And uh, that is a good argument for experimental and things like that, where it's like, I can prove that it works. Uh, The other thing is uh, uh, Mike Bush really likes to argue that they're not necessary in a lot of cases that things that are done as an stc could probably be done as a major or even a minor uh change to your plane the difference between major and minor is kind of whether messing it up would affect the flyability of your plane but his argument is that a lot of these things you shouldn't be scared of and you should your mechanics should be marking them as, as a minor change to the plane
1: is there a specific example of what that might be
2: well i mean take take the example of of a gps uh or um changing wheel pants if there wasn't an stc required for it right mm. what's what's the difference between putting on a a uh, a new front wheel pant uh from a different manufacturer and and well and parts replacement is also different than making modifications where stcs are about mods
1: also can i can i just insert something here disclaimer we are idiot pilots <laughs> trying to sort this stuff out and should never be considered the primary source of any information that has to do with safety or absolutely anything. Uh, n- don't even try to buy stock in our humor. Like it's not. <laughs> There's no, we have no credibility and we shouldn't even be talking. About, no, I'm just kidding. But it's good to talk about, but I do just want to sort of reflect yes. that we have, you know, this is our, we're just talking here uh, about things we talked about.
0: That's right. This is what we do in the hangar. Um, we we talk about these things and it's really meant to get the the, the discussion going. If somebody wants to ask um, my friend, Nathan Ballard, who just joined us a little while ago, mentioned the Gammy's G100 uh, Avgas STC. It's going to be really impactful. I'm ready to see that take a hold. I'm ready to see some gas prices come down and actually maybe help the environment in the process.
2: So um, that's a, you're right. That is a huge one. Yeah. Even if it's the same price, it's still a big, big win, you know, not having fouled plugs would be, uh, would be nice. Yeah. Imagine that. But you know, we were looking it up and there's, there's a lot of STCs, right? Besides the and Knott's You is a great one to look at because they've got lots of speed mods like flap seals and vortex generators and wheel pants for different sizes, which is kind of cool to go look at. It's like, oh, you've got a 150 you want to put on 600 by eight tires or, you know, 600 by six is like those are those are big tires. Oh, and you can still get wheel pants for it. That's kind of cool. Um, so they have a ton of STCs, but there's a lot of others, too. What have you seen, Ben? You've
0: seen um, different manufacturers. Of course, I'm a little partial to the 182s, um, but I have investigated many of them. Uh, Texas Skyways has one where they put a canard on the front of the uh, front cowling. Um, Katmai Kenai, that's the one that do the canard, not the Texas Skyways, I stand corrected. Um, Float kits, you can do put floats on your planes. That, I mean, you there's, know, I didn't there's even a million think with out there.
2: I didn't even think with float kits about how big of a deal that is. It's like, okay, you just bolt on floats, but um, SkyWagon University, who does these amazing YouTube videos, it's like, here's a plane. Let me tell you the difference between a Cessna 172 that's in 1968 or in 1967. Here's all the big changes, you know, and he, he's, he just goes in deep and all that, but he did one recently that was, showing a plane that that's been float equipped and there are doubler plates there, you know, um, modifications to the fuselage in so many places and you're like, Oh, that makes sense because landing is hard on these and it, you need that, that extra strength. And so to see him walk all the way around the plane and show, you know, all these reinforcements is really cool.
1: Right. I love, I love that channel. I really like the video. That he did a longer one that's just, uh, breaking down all the, uh, Cherokee, um, versus warrior versus, you know, <laughs> just a whole Piper kind of breakdown. Uh, and it gets into, you know, he, yeah, I love the detail. He gets, you know, it's like, okay, if the, if the, if the stabilator has indented, uh, you know, versus, you know, like sort of convex versus yes. concave, then that's an indicator of this and that. And the other, like I learned so much from just that one video when I was, Getting into Cherokee World. Yeah, his his videos are great and he's at a really cool airport in
2: NorCal oh, gosh. too. So Yeah. Uh, so one of the STCs that I saw is is called the 150-150 kit, which is 150 horse in a Cessna 150. So it's the upgrade to put an uh O three twenty in in your Cessna 150. Thought that was pretty cool. Like a, that seems like a reasonable upgrade over the O two hundred.
0: Brian, that's like putting a Chevy big block in your um
2: in my Celica. Su- <laughs> it's only a it's only a three twenty. That's a you know that's a but that's it's in a, a one fifty. Sh- True. Yeah.
0: And and w- w- what's the point? I guess you go a little faster, but yeah. it's a one fifty. So I mean, so
2: in the summer you can climb at uh, more than two hundred feet per minute.
1: There you go. I guess that might yeah. be it. But I guess also your fuel burn you don't have big, big tanks. So you're going to be getting fuel like every 41 minutes or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but I mean, you know, it's like, like when I get, when I did my tail wheel on a one forty and, and it was in the summer and climbing out, uh, you know, a hundred feet per minute, 150 feet per minute. Um, Oh man. And he, I mean, he, he obviously, he, he babies the plane a lot too. The instructor owns the plane and, Anytime I would kind of dig into a climb at all, you know, you, you know, we have to be kind of gentle with it. And, you know, so you kind of, I felt like we were nose down while we were trying to climb. <laughs> <You> know, so <laughs> it was so flat of a profile, but, um, but I think that, you know, whatever it is, maybe 90 horsepower, I don't know what it is, but, um, Boy, that's, you know, it was great though. When I got back in, in uh, Lucy, you know, flying a Cherokee 180 felt like I was in Ben's plane. <laughs> uh, Point the nose up to the sky, right? Yeah. That's a cheaper upgrade is just go fly a completely like, like a half as powerful plane as what you normally fly. And then just get back in yours. You're like, I don't need anything. That's exactly right. Yeah.
0: So I need to stay out of the turboprops is what you're telling me. <laughs>
1: You need to go, yeah. If you, if you, yeah, I need win, to go
0: fly a turboprop and then get back in mine and I will feel really bad.
1: Oh, man. No, you, yeah. ju- you do the opposite. Go, fl- just go, go fly a 150 for a while or whatever. And then you'll, you'll feel like you need to get like a five point racing harness for your, <laughs> your flying.
2: <laughs> so I saw the Whip Air when I was looking at their, because they make all the float kits or they're one of the many manufacturers of float kits is Whip Air. And they make this thing called the Boss 182. And I was like, Hmm, what is that? That's putting an IO five eighty into a Skyline into your one eighty two. So 340 horsepower one. into a three forty. What does that look like?
0: It has got the boss written on the cowling oh, okay. whenever they make this modification, and <laughs> it it just looks like my airplane has been injecting steroids for years. <laughs> yeah, I mean it looks like it just wants to. Now it was on floats. So it yeah. needed to have uh, a lot more power to get those get up those skis off, but uh, yeah, it, it it was pretty impressive looking. It was very stout, would be the way I would describe it.
1: Yeah, the one seventy two I trained in was I had a SGC for the um, one eighty horsepower mm-hmm. flying club plane I fly has the same one. Yeah,
2: you were talking about the oil door relocation on that, Brian.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's just funny because it's not where you think it is, and then you can see the the remnant of where the other one was, they just, I guess put kind of loose knit kind of sheet metal to sort of fill it <laughs> and kind of painted it to match or whatever they did. But, um, but yeah, it is, it's a different, uh, yeah, the, the oil has to go in a different spot, but, um, but that was that, to me, that was a, that was a really not like, no, I think, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy, but are biased, but I feel like the 180 horsepower plane is the sweet spot for most things. Like it's, It's going to get you through most things that you need to do. It's sort of like the, I don't know, like the, yeah, like the Camry kind of V6 or whatever, or even just like a, I don't know, like a four cylinder uh, workhorse type of thing. It just, to me, that's the kind of sweet spot. So in a 172, uh, like having a 180 was, was amazing. Yeah. Not overdone. Yeah. 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 Like Ben's where it's like, okay, you're just showing off now. Um, and, Ben, your fuel burn is what, like 32 gallons an hour? <laughs> it is, Uh, is. We're averaging about 15 and a half, 16 gallons
0: an hour. Um, but we're not getting it. What the sad part about that is, is we're truing out at about 145 knots yeah. at 16 gallons an hour. And there's Moonies out there that are getting... <laughs> 30% more speed at half the fuel burn. So, um, but I, as I always say, if it fits in my airplane, I can go, it's, yeah. uh, it can carry just about everything. So yeah, yours is
1: like, you're, it's like, um, you know, like the older cars that just, they just didn't even need to have an overdrive gear because nothing, no highways were over <laughs> 55 miles an hour. And then you try to drive like a four speed, anything now on the highway and you're doing like 6,500 RPM, you know, it's a
0: 1968 Ford F100.
1: Yes,
0: it is. It is. It's not going to go above fifty-five, but it is. It is going to be there for you forever. So
1: <laughs> that's right. It'll pull a tree out of your yard. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Too funny. <laughs> well, cool. Uh, do we want to uh, embarrass me with the next segment? Yeah, of Bag let's of words? do it.
2: I always want to embarrass you. Yeah.
0: Let's. Uh, let's just play it, and then we can talk about it.
2: Yeah, let's, so, yeah, let's move on to the bag of words I'll, I'll say
0: my wife and I were visiting my dad in Thomaston. We're flying back to McCollum, and we're getting ready to go over the top of Hartsfield, and that is where I'll leave it. All right, here we go. Air
2: 14911 radar contact, four miles northwest of the County. Clear to McCollum Air via radar vector. Fly heading 330, so 4,000. Position checks uh,
0: clear to McCollum uh, via ra- radar vectors. It is filed. Uh, climbing up. To, they're turning to three three zero heading and going up to four thousand for four two nine one one. 9-1-1, nine or one one, read back correct. Contact Atlanta approach one one nine or point eight. Nineteen eight for nine or one one. Have a good rest of your day. Nine one. Hey, buddy. <laughs>
1: I mean, that's not too crazy, but I do appreciate that you're... uh, It was
0: definitely a bag of words moment like Josh had (laughs) with his. I was just pulling words out of a bag and I felt like I needed to um, say my call sign like three or four times in one transmission just in case he
1: forgot who I was. Right. It's like a teenager being uh, interrogated by the police, you know, where you're just like, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, Uh, and (laughs) sir, and sir.
2: Well, I thought it was more like a, a salesperson where like, yeah, Brian, you know, we really see you liking this car, Brian. we we'll oh, yeah, you. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I should never told you my name. To yourself
1: in, yeah.
0: You're referring to yourself in the third person yeah. a bunch instead of doing the sales thing about saying their name several times. You're saying True. your own.
1: Yeah. so That's how like Shaquille O'Neal would have done a radio call. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just, was, th- so in that call, though, so... He, But you had to read back what, you know, I'm not an IFR person yet, but you had to read back what you were cleared to, what your heading was, what your altitude was. And you were also just confirming that his uh, idea of where you were was correct. That's right. Yeah. But I'm not going to say that I
0: was rusty. Well, maybe I was a little rusty because we had just gotten the plane out of the shop. But I... I'm usually pretty good about, I read things back in the order that they tell us. I don't like to mix it up because that's going to make me forget something. And then I kind of realized halfway through that I didn't read it back in the order. So I kind of had to stop and go back and start pulling words out of the bag again. And did I say my call sign twice? Maybe I need to say it three times. So you know what I mean? It's just one of those things. And actually I've, I've talked to that controller quite a few times and um, I'm sure he probably got a good laugh out of that one
1: dull Geek said IFR clearances are the origins of a metric ton of BOWs bags, bags of words and bag of words is, um, yeah. And we should let people know that you can continue to watch us beat ourselves up. I haven't, I haven't submitted one yet, but, um, you know, Hey, look, I am hard pressed finding anything. No, I'm just kidding. I've, I've got something somewhere <laughs> for sure.
0: You have always, you were born to talk on the radio for in, in aviation. Do you, Everything I've ever heard you ever do is like, like you're on the radio, like, like you're on the FM radio that we listen to in our cars. You're,
1: (laughs) you're just smooth. Oh, you've got it down. I feel like it it can get out of hand. You know, uh, I think my thing is that, um, some, I I think my thing is I need to slow down sometimes. And I, I feel like I'm trying so hard to not be in the way that I, uh, in turn, incidentally kind of make myself more in the way by just um, I don't know. I'm just trying to be inv- as in, like, thank you for even acknowledging my presence. I just want to pretend like I don't exist. Thank you very much. <laughs> that's, that's where everything is kind of happening, but I appreciate that. I mean, but it, it did not, um, it did not start that way, you know? Um, and I definitely have m- moments. Um, I wish I was recording when we were flying last week because uh, you know, Katie's getting a little smart now. And so she's starting to be like, Hey, is that what they said? Or, you know, like she's starting to kind of <laughs> like, it used to just be like, I was cool. I'm the cool guy flying the plane. Don't worry about anything. And now it's like, yeah, I'm not sure you're doing that right. You know? And um, she knows too the, much. She knows too much. And the thing that I did, um, Oh yeah. So the game, I was just getting handed off from one center to the next and, um, and I put in the frequency and the standby but, and then I got distracted for a second and then went back, but I never toggled it or I did. And the button didn't take, and I just didn't confirm. And I called back and said, okay, you know, uh, Indy center, Cherokee, five, one, six, Lima, 5,000 or whatever, whatever. I <laughs> and they were like, uh, remember, remember, and I was like, I'm sorry, say again, one, six Lima. And they're like, you're still on, you're like you need to, you're like, basically you never changed frequencies, idiot. But I even had to get him to say it again because I didn't understand. And she was like, I was wondering, I saw you do that. I'm like, why didn't you say something? <laughs> you know? So um, here's how you fix that. Do
0: you have a push to talk switch on the, uh, call the pilot side? Yeah. Get her to do it.
1: Get her, start making radio calls. I've, I've tried. Um, it, it it's one thing at a time, Ben. And, um, okay. and by the way, we can just give a little sneak preview here about what our next week episode is going to be about, which I think everybody's going to totally, I think it's going to be the best aviation event of all time. Um, it's building uh, it up a little much. I I don't think so. You know why? Because the better parts of us are going to be represented than ourselves, which is my wife and your wife and possibly Ted's partner. if, If you guys can work out the schedule, but, um, We received some feedback about, um, flying with the spouse and how to do that best and how to encourage it and how to support it and how to deal with all the things and all of that. And we thought, what better way to do it than to actually have them speak? This could be just the, the last podcast we ever do.
0: (laughs) We We may not survive. Yeah. Um, there have been a couple of comments in the Discord server and we got some email feedback as well. Uh and again, I encourage everybody, uh, those that are listening to us uh via the audio version, uh pilot podcast at gmail.com. Send us your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. But we'd had a couple of people and then um there's a relatively new listener who is in the chat. Uh Dan is uh with us. There's some reluctance of their wives to get in the plane with them. And I I wanted Terry, my wife, to get on because she actually went up with me for part of my training and probably at very inopportune times when we were doing steep turns and things like that. And I wanted her to talk about that. I'm not going to take away her thunder, but, you know, how she got more and more comfortable flying with me over a period of time. And I thought that might be very helpful for yeah. those that are just starting to fly and getting their uh, spouses to join them because- it really opens up a lot more doors when your better half can join you.
1: Yeah. Well, I think Katie will be a nice counterpoint to all of that because she knows too much. <laughs> She's w- watched way too many uh, air safety, um, whatever, accident investigation um, videos. She just knows too many things now. And uh, I'm not going to spoil what she's going to say next week, but I can guarantee you that one thing that she's going to say is, I saw how the sausage got made. <laughs> <laughs> and she will say, I knew, I knew you when you were not a pilot. So give me a minute, you know? But, um, but anyway, I'm super excited about that. Um, yeah, Terry will, will tell you she watches
0: none of that. She has. Absolutely no interest. And I think the scariest approach I've ever had in my life, she was too busy reading a magazine and smacking on her gum, which was perfectly fine
1: with me, (laughs) but she didn't know how worried she needed to be, but not, not really, but, uh. Well, one dull geeks noting that, uh, that Katie likes to rate my landings and she's ruthless, right? She'll say like, Oh, that was a four or whatever. Even I think, I mean, it wasn't a four. It was like an eight or a nine, but anyway, and but um, it, in yeah, Katie just,
2: adjusted terms, it was a four.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a whole bias there. It's a bias, but I, but I will say, and i want to make her say it in front of the world next week that the landing that I had coming back in to Bowling Green after our trip, uh, was possibly one of the best landings that's ever happened in the history of aviation. Um, (laughs) Probably in the top five. Um, So Terry's going to
0: argue that my trip down to Thomaston was probably a zero G landing and coming back, I thought was pretty good. She's like, Nope, not compared to that other one. That was, that'll be the, everything (laughs) will be rated based on that. So (laughs) we might be a little bit of an argument going on there.
1: Right. It's kind of like anniversary gifts, you know, It's, it's like, Oh, last year's was better. I did, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know. I yeah. do yeah. my best here.
2: So make sure to to set the standards in the correct order. You know, have a, have a bad landing and improve them as you go. Never go. Yes. Yes. Save that good landing until she's not in the plane.
1: Yeah. Set the bar low. She, and Katie will also mention uh, how much she loves flying over mountains when I uh, – had a wing get lifted up, but, um, anyway, <laughs> we'll talk more about it. Um, but super excited, super yeah, excited.
0: Looking forward to that. So, um, we'll wrap that up here again, like subscribe, share with your friends, please. We appreciate all the support. You can support us on Spotify for as little as 99 cents
1: a month. Is that right? Or is that episode? It's 99 cents a month. A month, I mean. Yeah, so, that's tw- that is, so to be clear, per episode, that is less than twenty five cents. That's right, per episode. And you know, we're not trying to get all Sally Struthers about it, but it does help. <laughs> it does. We've got expenses to pay, and uh, we really do appreciate everybody's support. It really means a oh, lot. Oh, let me just one more thing. Sorry, Please. Ted does Ted does such an amazing job of show notes. Um, I encourage everybody to really dig into the show notes, just about everything in the world that we talked about, whatever the reference was, whatever the link was to other people's videos, to resources, FA, what, anything, uh, Ted is the show notes king. And I hope that people are taking advantage of that because it really is a starter point for a lot of further looking into things, especially when we're talking about things when we don't really know what we're talking about. That's, that'll take you to the actual uh, vetted sources of information. It goes along
2: with my title of timestamp. I, I yes. do yes. love well-written show notes. And Brian, do you remember the term that you've learned today? Doobly-doo. There we go. The doobly do. You got it. <laughs> <The> doobly-doo. <laughs>
0: Ted's nickname is going to go from timestamp to doobly-doo-king.
2: Exactly. Wow. That sounds strange. Yeah. Yeah, it does kind of
0: sound strange. Oblada.
1: There you go.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, thanks everybody uh, in the live stream, in the chat for joining us. Uh, We've been reading your comments. We really appreciate all the support and uh, we will see you next Tuesday. It's going to be a big one. Sounds great. (laughs) Good night, everybody. See you guys.